Hi, everyone, and welcome to Hosted. This is the podcast where we get to flip the script and interview hosts who typically are on the other side of the mic asking all the questions. Today, I have Earl Wright with me. He is the chairman of the board of AMG National Trust Bank and host of Common Sense Digest. Earl, welcome to Hosted. Thank you. Randy, it's great to be with you. I really am interested to hear what what prompted the this the launch of the podcast. It's a is it born from an organization, the Common yeah, Sense it, Institute? Yes, it is. It's born out of Common Sense. What we want to do is uh, the key of all of our research in Common Sense Institute is it's not only a matter of being objective and doing our analysis, but it's ineffective if we if we can't get out to the folks that that might be able to do something with that research. So we not only do a lot of publications and sharing that publications, we thought one of the other ways of reaching out to those that are interested that could be impactful with the research is to have a podcast. And uh, I shoot, I draw, I drew the short straw. So the best way to host it. <laughs> That's so lucky you. You're really good at it. I enjoy it. Yeah. So, you know, I, you're interviewing policy makers, influencers, activists. Most of, what is most of, what? most of the people I'm interviewing are uh, people that are um, done research or experts in their particular area or subject experts. And mm-hmm. uh, sometimes we interview policymakers, less so in the policymakers than the re- the. Uh, subject matter experts that were trying to get their message out to the policymakers and people who can influence the policymakers. And uh, that's, I think we've had over 30 or 40 podcasts uh, in the last 24 months. We, we try to have about uh, two per month uh, based upon the, the various topics, research that are really important at the, at the present time and which could be either getting ahead of the curve on issues that may be coming up so we can possibly help people get informed before the issue becomes uh, something that's voted on the legislature or something that should come up with the legislature, or we react to maybe something that uh, we feel that the analysis is such that the folks aren't really well informed on. And so we try to say, okay, what is, what are the facts behind this? So that uh, whatever decision you make, at least it's factually based with good analysis, not R or D, we try to stay away from that, and we stay away from advocacy, except in a few situations. Okay, so and so you're planning out the the interviews and the content kind of based around what's happening That's around right. the state, different yeah. initiatives that are being pushed to the forefront, and also just um, and well, I, some, sometimes, Brandy, we we actually say this should be an issue that everybody should be aware of. For example, uh, we're right now doing a study on water. Well, it's it's a, it's important, but nobody's really taking it and saying, "Hey, this has got to move to the forefront for Colorado." And and so we have uh, two fellows that uh, we currently have uh, that are in process of looking at water in Colorado. And as you know, this is the hundred year, I think, uh, anniversary of the compact, uh, the water compact for Colorado. So we think it's rather timely. Now, is it on the forefront uh, down the legislature? No, it's not. Should it be? Yes, it should. Uh, we did the same thing with transportation about uh, 36 months ago. Said, so, hey, wait a minute. Nobody is really saying what has to be done in transportation at this point. And it's a very important issue. 
And so we had, again, two fellows that uh, looked at it, an R and a D, and came up with some suggestions. And we like to think that that was a foundational part of how the transportation law was passed uh, in last year's uh, legislative session, which was a significant move forward in helping correct the transportation issue here in Colorado. Yeah, I, I would love to hear a little bit more about, um, you know, the 100-year pack that's that's quickly going to be expiring. Can you dive into that a little bit? I wish I could. I need to say <laughs> we have two fellows. Uh, we, we, are, we, we need to interviewed. tune into the podcast, correct? That's right. And <laughs> the research I'm thinking will be uh, distributed in August. Uh, and then we will make certain that we have a podcast on it. But the report, the report itself will be given to various uh, parts of the state. So the various uh, folks in the Northeast or the Western Slope or south, Southeast part of the state, Southwest, can look at it and say, okay, what's relevant to me or us in this part of the country? And they can uh, see what at least we feel analytically is the issue. And then where do they come out on how they think they want to solve it? Excellent. That's great. Uh, and then how do you, how are you vetting folks that you, are you, um, do you have a, a handful of experts that you're, that you're exploring or do you kind of tap into your network of, of people that, that you know that are experts in these particular fields and industries? Well, I, I, I remember I'm just kind of, uh, as I said, I drew the short straw to be the, the podcast host and I'm the chair but the work is really done by Christian Strom and, and uh, Chris Brown and, and their staff. And they have enormous resources <coughs> that they can tap into with regards to various folks throughout the state. And on our board, our board is uh, a, a number of people that represent a, a huge breadth of the state and, and breadth of with regards to organizations that are mostly based on free enterprise or 501c3s that have a strong uh, interest in free enterprise. So we tap into the board and then with the the, the, uh, the staff that we have with, as I said, headed up by Christian Strom and, and then Chris Brown and research and several others I might add, we don't have any problem saying who is the best that we can get that could be the fellow in water. And there's two of them. And who could be the best that we can possibly have for the transportation? And we always try to have it uh, representing both sides of the street. Mm, we don't want right, to have right. one particular uh, uh, point of view prevail. We're interested in people getting together and say, hey, I see it this way. Another person says, hey, I see it this way. Can we come to a compromise and come up to joint ideas as to how it can be handled? Um, and so that's, that's an important part of how we uh, look for fellows to do the kind of reports I just mentioned to you. On the research side, it's just pure number crunching. It's a matter of, okay, uh, what does it say about current jobs in the Colorado and why don't we have the jobs that we had before? Or why is it a different composition? Or why is the participation rate not where it was before? Uh, how come at 18 months or 12 months ago, we didn't have as many women back in the labor force in the she session that uh, we coined a phrase that you know, how is that working? Why is it that we don't have the women back in the labor force? And, and uh, so it's a, it's a really, uh, that, that part of our, our research is just, hey, what is happening? And that's just hard number crunching. And we use an econometric model oftentimes to get an understanding of uh, what that uh, research would suggest is happening. 
And you're having really thoughtful and engaging interviews with all of these, all these folks around um, the various issues. How are you preparing for those? Do you, is, your, is your team helping you? No. <laughs> I read the reports, of course, but I probably spend, no, it, doesn't, it doesn't mean on every one of them, because sometimes I'm just well-versed on the topic. Yeah. It falls within my, within my wheelhouse, like economics, finance, the general economy. I, I'm pretty well-versed on that just because of my position, my years of experience. But sometimes, like on, the, uh, on safety and crime, um, you really prepare for Mitch Morrissey and George Brockler when they put their report together. And still, I was really incredibly surprised. And so typically, I spend between two and four hours preparing for each podcast um, because I want it to be a conversation, mm-hmm. uh, Randy. And, and uh, if it's a conversation, I pretend that I'm a person listening to what they're saying. So I pretend that I'm there and I'm saying, okay, now, wait a minute. If they're saying this, what more should I make certain that they're saying so that everybody's got a clarity as to what it is that they're they're expressing, the information, their viewpoint, et cetera. Yeah. And, and are you also including the the report in, in the show notes and on the website as uh, that folks can can tap into as they're as they're listening to the podcast and digging in a little bit further? Well we we mentioned that they can probably dig into it while they're listening to the podcast. I never really thought about it. Uh, we do mention it, um, and we I think at the beginning of uh, each one of our podcasts, we mention whatever report and how they can uh, access it. And at the end, we mention the report and how they can access it. And when I'm doing the interview, I'll oftentimes refer to the report because it's got such good data that you want to make certain that people, you know, you, it's like everything else. When you're having a discussion with somebody, you want to have evidence mm-hmm. as to what is their, what what is behind the point of view they may have or the, what they're expressing. And, and we want to make certain it's good data, good evidence, so people can feel comfortable. Yeah. And it, it is, and it, you know, another, a challenge, another challenging aspect to your, to your podcast beyond the, the, the thought and care that goes into preparing for the interview, but you're also typically juggling two guests. That's right. So how do you how do you best move that conversation? Make sure everyone gets you know equal playing time. Do you have a method method behind that? Well, I do. It's called a script. <laughs> so I'm I'm uh, I'm given a script by the, the common sense folks uh, for the podcast. Now, great. I don't always follow it, but <laughs> but uh, people come in reasonably well prepared, and they know I'm going to try to divide the time up. And so I have a, a timeline on the side of the script that we try to follow, but the topic can vary uh, as far as the content of the topic. It can vary quite a bit depending yeah. on how the, the conversation goes and how I, you know, I'm judging that along. How are people listening to this and where can I dig a little bit deeper? And, and uh, so I, and I also, you know, as I tell the people on the, that are guests, I'm not here to ask easy questions you know, I'm here to really make certain that people understand the essence of what it is you're doing. Um, and, and everybody appreciates that. I really, I, I, I think it's, uh, um, some people come in a little bit trep- with trepidation that uh, I'm known for asking kind of tough questions, but I think once they get in there and they get to relax, they realize I'm not going to ask them anything to embarrass them. Yeah. I'm only going to ask them to t- share with us what they already know more about than we do. So they're not getting the script in advance. 
Oh yeah, they get a, they, they get do. The they do. Okay, okay. So that should that should the calm their nerves are. a little bit. Yeah, but the questions are likely to be, but they all know it. It can go scary. anywhere. So don't don't read the script. You're not going to be successful in the <laughs> podcast if you read the script. <laughs> And you're so you're and you're publishing the podcast twice a month, right? We try to do twice a month, sometimes more. And do you have the next five to six months planned out already? Your team does. No, we, well, we have content? the next. We have the next two, and it can it can jump around quite a bit. Um, like we just did one on aging, which is really fascinating. I listened to that. It was very fascinating. And yeah, I had no is. idea that there was a month dedicated to older Americans. So I feel... <laughs> I did find <laughs> No. But I think the whole idea, that, that's a great one on, on the economy. And you, you, if you listen to it, then yeah. you heard my very, the, the, the economic formula for growth. Mm. And if you're going to have growth in this country, you've got to have two sides of it. You've got to have a growing labor force and higher productivity. And if your labor force is between you know 16 and and uh, 55 or 65 is decreasing, then the, there's one answer. You could got two answers actually to how to increase the participation. One, more females, mm-hmm. more females in the labor force. Well, you've already got you know probably 54, 56, 57 percent women in it, and a high participation rate in those groups that are there can have more growth. But the second is retirees, and I've as you could heard from that in that particular podcast, I'm a strong advocate that for throwing somebody out of an office at 65 years of age is a horrible waste of talent. Yeah. Uh, that age group tends to be some of the most productive that you've got in the, in the community. And I, I told the one, the one the young person that was on the podcast, no offense to her, but you know she's a heck of a lot less productive than the person. <laughs> who is in the, his 50s or she or he is 55 to 65 age group age group yeah and don't you think that just comes with with experience and and knowledge and and everything that you've done in your in your life to to make you more optimal well you've got the you've got the whole thing as, as we pointed out and i think karen who is our who is a guest on it pointed out really well is that if you could do that, use that uh, age experience with supplemental training, which I really strongly believe in, and that I think companies can do that as well as individuals, which you probably heard that I was really trying to tap into what individuals can do. And I think there's an industry there, by the way. Um, I, I'm a strong believer that one of the answers we have is, is uh, as long as we're productive, let's keep the people engaged if they want. If they yeah. want, so be it. But uh, if they want to stay, I think more and more do. Let's keep them engaged. No, it was a it was a great interview. I highly recommend everyone uh, checking that out. How did you? Was that one of those? The, somebody on the team said, "Oh, it's Older Americans Month. We need to have somebody on the the show to talk about this." Or did they well, reach out to wrote, you? We actually wrote a report on it. We wrote a report because one of the issues that we're we're truly concerned about is economic growth in Colorado. And how are you going to have that economic growth in Colorado? And where is it going to come from? And as you probably know, one of the studies we did, if, if you've had a chance to go through some, is the uh, what what is the, the educational gap we have for what Colorado's growth uh, companies in Colorado see as their growth and their the gap in the, uh, in the people and the talents and education that they need for the growth of their companies. And we have a huge gap. And it's not being provided by 
uh, our educational system, neither our higher ed nor the numbers aren't, okay? So it's not being provided by higher ed nor our high school. So we've got to figure out some way to continue to train the people we have uh, and get a higher graduation rate. That's that's really key. Mm-hmm. Uh, higher graduation rate from our high schools so that the kids can go on to get either technical training or they can go into labor force and get trade school training or they can go into college and uh, get the higher education we need. But we've got a real shortage if you take a look at that over the next decade, decade and a half. Yeah, no, it was it was a it was an incredible conversation, and so and and that's you know I just I listened to your last ones. Now I need to dig back in and listen to all forty three of the episodes that you've published thus far. That's how podcasting works. You find something you like, and then you dig in, and I I think it's really important. You know, there's not there's very few places for Colorado citizens to go and and hear about the issues that are relevant to them and 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 to their future. So this is this is highly valuable for anyone in Colorado and it, a lot of the problems that we see here in our state I'm sure other people experience as well in other states. So um, I really encourage you uh, Brandy to look at the one with uh, George Brockler and Mitch Morrissey on on uh, crime. It was there's two of them and it is stunning. Um, that's one I prepared for one, and I was shocked at what they had to say and how crime really works and, and in Colorado. And it, you'll begin to understand the, the, um, the fevered pitch of the discussion at the legislature right now, fentanyl and the drugs, uh, and the criminal, uh, the element here in the state of Colorado. And it was shocking to me to see where we ranked nationally um, and how some of the laws that we have passed recently um, in all likelihood contributed to some things that are just devastating. If that's one message I'd want to leave with anybody listening to this, please go listen to those two podcasts. Um, We as citizens need to know what's going on. And George Brockler and Mitch Morrissey are on two different sides of the aisle and they totally agree as to what we need to do in the state and legislatively to uh, hopefully create this as a um, a safer environment, as well as, um, yeah, safer, as well as one, we're losing too many teenagers, too many young people to drugs. And it's, 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 it's there. I think they've suggested that uh, there are things we need to do to correct that. And the, uh, a lot of people, particularly the law enforcement, agree with them. That's 20 teenagers per day. It's awful. Yeah. And where are we ranking? Well, we're number one when it comes to, well, well as far as increase in deaths, we're, we're number one, as I understand more recent data. But we're number one in auto thefts in the country. Um, as far as, it's, that's amazing. I mean, how, yeah. how can you be not, you know, number one as far as the uh, what's occurring there? Uh, you know, in a, you know, per capita basis and our size of our state and things like that. Um, and we, we, we've, so when drug deaths, increase in drug deaths, uh, increase in uh, auto thefts uh, and, and uh, felony charges, we, we've had a huge increase in the last four or five years. And the sad thing, and I, I'm going to encourage you to listen to it, but the yeah. thing that just blew me away was the criminal element in the state knows what the law says. And for anybody listening to this, I really encourage you, 
these are not dumb people. They are, they're, you know, it's it's kind of a profession for some of them. And as uh, I think Mitch said, you know, some of these are just families. That's just the way they live. And they know what the law says. So they get certain age groups to do certain things up to a certain level. So it's a misdemeanor, not a felony. And the they whole system the laid out. That's exactly right. And so they organize their 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 criminal element to, in essence, fit right underneath what has to be done before it could be sending them to jail or they can get released immediately. And the other thing is, it is well, anyway, I encourage you and all your listeners, uh, those, those are two reports I, I think all of us as citizens need to listen to and understand. And, and as I remember, it, they, they're fairly recent episodes, maybe oh, yeah. um, the, yeah, the last four, five, maybe? Six months old, six weeks yeah. old. Yeah, five or six weeks old. yeah. Yeah, so check it out. I mean, listen to all of them. I mean, it's, it's, you know, listening to podcasts, it's just, especially as we're entering uh, lawn mowing season, <laughs> put on your, put on your headphones, start the lawnmower and you've got yourself and at least, uh, at least 43 hours worth of entertainment. <laughs> well, they're only about a half hour piece. So it's about less than that. So well, there you half go. Half of that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. So, you know, it sounds like this is your work that you're doing outside of the podcast, but this has been a really, I think, excellent addition to the work that you're doing is probably you've had some moments that, it, I mean, it sounds like you just described one, like an aha moment or like something that you sat with that sits with you to this day. And do you feel like most of your conversations kind of follow that similar trajectory where it's it's impacting you, the way that you're thinking about things, maybe the way that you're conducting your work? What kinds of, of effects have you experienced from, from the podcast thus far? Well, I think probably the most, uh, the one that was so striking to me was the one on criminals and, and with uh, Mitch and, and George. That, that still unsettles me. Uh, the other that that is, is kind of a challenge to me as to um, where I just I am incredibly disappointed with the legislature and and I I don't want to dump on him but I'm not I will see how the governor handles it but it's para you know we we worked hard as an organization as I mentioned to you we don't act as an advocacy very often but we have in para mm-hmm. uh, para is 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 something that did not need does not need to happen the way it is, uh, with regards to the uh, uh, the uh, underfunding of para, and as you probably know, it's a it, that obligation is yours and mine. It's it's if it doesn't get funded, we have to fund it as the citizens of Colorado, and but the, the if we do something about it now, we can avoid it. <coughs> Excuse me. In 2018. <coughs> In 2018, you know, we worked because we did our first para analysis in 2018 to point out, hey, wait a minute, you know, para is underwater and going further underwater. So are there some things that we can do as corrective actions to stop now? Because the further you get, uh, you know, further you get down and, uh, and into the underfunding, the harder it is to get to ever have a chance. We don't want to be Illinois, you know, Illinois or Detroit. In effect, they Disaster. ought to be bankrupt. And with regards to this, and so. We said, okay, what can be done? So 
Senate Bill 18200 was something we got very much engaged in to help figure out how you could do the automatic adjustments as well as the general funding each year from the state would be $225 million a year. Well, guess what? If you did that with the underfunding and they got the 7.25, the underfunding adjustments, you could end up within 30 years having the fund, the underfunding solved. Well, that actually is more of an acceptable answer. And we ended up helping the state's uh, credit, uh, credit rating be sustained at a higher level than if we didn't do something. Because in effect, the credit rating agency said, hey, you guys have got something that's growing that your, your credit rating is going to be impacted by it. Doggone it. In, 20, uh, in 2020, uh, with the pandemic and the pandemic budgeting, they said, well, you know what? It's a statute that has created the, the $225 million of funding. We're going to not fund it this year. Well, guess what? Uh, now, this year, they've got more than enough. $1.1 billion came in from the feds that could be used for other things. None of it could be used for the para. But all of a sudden, you've got, and you had 20% more than they originally budgeted for the year. But if they have a chance now to retroactively fund the $225 million for 2020 they didn't do. And it, you have to wrestle with them on that. And I must say that it's a passion on my part. Hey, let's be responsible. We made a commitment to the citizens of Colorado. We have a plan to get this on, on good grounds. Two times the para-participants and the pensioners have had to take cuts the pensioners have had to take cuts in what they would have received in, in pension payments. The participants <coughs> had to make more contributions because that's the automatic adjustment as well mm -hmm. as employers. So they've done their part. Now the state Needs has a there. chance to go back and make up for the 225. And we're arguing about that. And, and there's all sorts of little pushing back and forth on it. And as you can tell, I, I feel very strongly, as as we do, as Common Sense Institute, hey, folks, if you made a commitment to the, the state of Colorado and the citizens of Colorado, let's live up to that commitment, particularly when we can make up in a year, which we've had an abundance of revenues and, and good fortune. And so, you know, they, you asked other things that I kind of, I wasn't surprised by it. I was enormously disappointed, but we got engaged, corrected it. Now, <coughs> excuse me enormously disappointed with um, the wrestling we have to do to correct the situation. Hopefully the next 48 hours will get corrected. Yeah. Is that the timeline for this? Yeah. Next 48 hours. So mm -hmm. I'm assuming this was a podcast episode that you covered. It was. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. It was five days ago. Who are the folks that you brought on? Well, we had Chris Brown. Uh, we've had Jake uh, Zamboni, who's a cat, who is a, a uh, uh, is a um, lobbyist, uh, and we've had Steve Ellers, another economist, to uh, talk about uh, the economic situation. And uh, uh, I'm sorry, I can't remember the third one. Anyway, we've we've had uh, various folks that, that know about it and have come on and, and chatted with us. And that that will probably, I mean, this is May 10th, so I'm assuming that that will be released. It's already been released. Oh, it's, it's already been released. It was just the most recent last week. one. Okay. Last week. Great. We talked, we talked about that um, as well as the unemployment insurance, which is another one. You know, we took $1.1 billion of debt from the state and uh, doggone it. You know, we have this enormous good fortune that we could have used a significant part 
of the money, of the additional monies we got from the federal government under the American Rescue Act. Um, and we're using 600, 600 uh, million of that. But I must, must say, this is one where the state is taking various ways along with the Chamber of Commerce. Um, and we had the, oh, the other person talking about para and with us at that time was uh, the head of the state Chamber of Commerce. Um, and I can't remember Lauren's last name. Anyway, the point is that um, this is where people got engaged proactively, knew there was an issue. We were pushing for the funding in our research to say how much it was going to cost uh, private enterprise in the state. It was like, uh, uh, I think, $5.3 billion wow. uh, to, you know, additional taxation. At least that's what it looked like. Uh, and now with the action that they're taking and with the other uh, uh, kind of uh, little twists and turns and fine tuning, it looks like we might be able to avoid that. But that's where, you know, information we had, they got a hold of it. And they came down and started to doing some uh, uh, some work together. And I think there's a bipartisan resolution to the unemployment insurance with the 600 million that they're going to pass in this year's legislation to, to help fund that. Yeah, so it's it's really, you know, it's important work that you're doing, bringing all of this to light informing decisions, getting people engaged and, and activated to, to push certain things forward that are going to serve our community. So let's, um, let's wrap up this conversation with some tips that you might have for podcast folks who are interested in, in starting a podcast. I think particularly around the preparation, because it's something that it, it varies from podcast host to podcast host. Some spend five minutes preparing for an interview. Some spend two hours, four hours. But I, I agree with you in that it makes a much better conversation when you take some time, really dig in. Do you have any any tips to share with with podcast hosts on on that particular topic? Well, you know, unless you're Bill Buckley or somebody like that who's brilliant and topic, you know, you can you pull on your vast experience. And um, I, I think it's you're wasting the participant's time as well as the, the listener if you don't give a, a, a sense of direction and, and what your objective is in a particular podcast. Get somebody on with you that is an expert on the topic and have a conversation about it, but you can't, at least I can't, be an expert on everything, uh, particularly the public policy arena. So um, that preparation is key in my mind, the preparation of having a, a script for the person, know, at least know the questions you plan to ask. Um, and that's all we do, by the way. We just give the person the questions we plan to ask, and then they can write their own script. But as I always tell them, you know, that. That doesn't mean that's going to be the only question that you'll get, but I won't take you off topic as far as trying to get you my gotcha. Um, but preparation, I like people are going to listen to you for goodness sakes, have the courtesy to prepare and respect them enough to try to do the best job possible and informing them on the topic. You know, for us, it's a matter of it's not a point of view, it's information so that they can use us as a source when they want to have discussions, be it with, with uh, policymakers or influence makers or whatever it might be. So it's, um, 
we want to be able to be that source uh, when they want to talk to somebody that's an important public policy issue. That takes preparation. I encourage that to anybody. Now, if you just want to talk about, you know, mom, dad, the kids and, you know, how things are going, well, you know, that's that's your call. You don't have to prepare for that. <clears throat> I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> One question that I, I have for you is because you have two different perspectives coming on to the show, and I would assume that you have some ideas before going into an interview. Have you ever been swayed or pushed to a different different idea or different um, conclusion about a particular topic after after an interview? Not that that comes to mind because you remember pre preparing for it. You got to look at both sides of the issue. Yeah. So you're kind uh, of coming in with with some formed ideas yeah, and yeah. yeah. I know the one the one area that that uh, we did the Family Leave Act uh, on that referendum. We did a a lot of work on that, um, and I was I was. You know, I, I my opinion was, you know, what the Family Leave Act was about was what good business ought to be doing anyway, mm -hmm. um, to a large extent. Um, but when I when they did the analysis and the data on the Family Leave Act that showed when that was in fact uh, implemented, particularly in California and Rhode Island, what that meant, um, I was stunned. Um, with regards to the implication uh, that I thought for businesses. Um, and I immediately went to our HR people and I said, wow, you know, let's make certain we fully understand this. And I've gone to other people and said, hey, you've really got to understand how this is, how you are going to fit within this legislation, if it, this referendum, if it in fact gets enacted and it's going to be enacted, as you know. Um, and so that, did I have a change of opinion? No, I had no idea of the magnitude of of how that could in, impact, um, and then what the economic consequences were, which I don't think the state's prepared for at all. If in fact the the uh, experience level is the same as Rhode Island, California. Yeah, and that and that would just be having to then support businesses to to fulfill their end of. Of yeah. the Family Leave Act. Well, it's 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 as you know, it's a two-way contribution. The individual yeah. contributes as the as the business contributes, um, but it, it's it's clear to me, and I think everybody that our CSI did a good analysis on. Um, again, if it, Rhode Island and California example, we are going to be way underfunded very quickly. I've told the governor that, by the way, I had a nice conversation with him. Uh, it was, but it was, you know, not in his offices. It happened to be at some event he was at. He was nice enough to sit down and talk with me about it. Um, but I don't think we as a state are prepared at all, nor are the individuals prepared in our businesses. But it's uh, the the work that's got to be done there with regards to the proper administration and the looseness with which this program could be put together uh, is a nightmare. Yeah. And so that was covered a couple months ago? Is that when you actually that was a year ago? That was a year ago. That was a year ago when it was the referendum. But you know, it, it, that was one where you had to get out to the general populace to make certain they understood what was going on. It it passed, and and I think it passed by eight by eight percent or something like that. I think it was wide enough, maybe a little more than that. But but you uh, you know, 
a good example there is we did, I think, really good homework. But uh, even the research that we did to inform people, um, you had, uh, I think it was six to one, five to one money raised outside of the state of Colorado to, um, to get that referendum passed versus the money that was raised inside of Colorado to say, hey, get informed. If you're going to vote for it, make certain you know what you're voting for. And you know, that's probably the biggest challenge we have as far mm -hmm. as my podcast and my, my podcasting and CSI is, um, is sometimes uh, some of the topics we have, uh, people from outside of the state weigh in, large, large sums of money will weigh in to uh, try to uh, uh, influence how people may think about an issue, particularly if it's up for a referendum or it's a vote, whereas you can create all the objective information in the world uh, but if people uh, want to try to flavor it one way or another with outside money, they sure can do it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Money influences that it lots does. of decisions and decisions that don't even have an impact over people who are influencing with money directly. Right. Like the citizens of Colorado. Right. But, you know, that's it's part of the challenge. So, you know, it uh, makes life even more interesting in the podcast when you're trying to make sure everybody's well-informed, particularly yeah. just pure analytical sense. Yeah, well, and, and so that brings up a, an, another uh, great point is just how do, you, how do you make sure that people are getting informed, paying attention? How are you distributing the podcast? How are you getting information out to the public? We literally measure that, believe it or not. We measure the amount of uh, uh, people that are taking the podcast, and then CSI measures the amount of uh, of uh, content that hits the pre hits press on the reports. We measure the uh, social media impact that we have. We have very extensive measurement techniques in which we're saying, are we being effective? Is it getting out there? And podcast is just one part of it. Yeah. So it, and. Uh, so we're really trying to figure out if none of this research is worth anything unless there's some effectiveness associated with it. So we look at the, the social media, we look at the actual print media, we look at electronic media, we look at the breadth of all of that as to what parts of the state are receiving and what parts are doing it, how many interviews have they had, how many times have various influence makers been involved in trying to learn more about what's going on. Uh, we measure shelf life of the research and try to say, okay, you know, like in the podcast, some of the podcasts have got really good shelf life. Some of it, don't, they don't. Yeah. So we're, we literally have measurements that, and once a quarter, we give that to our board as to, and we hope that that's a sense of how effective we are. We've also hired in the past an outside statistical expert to measure our effectiveness in the community, if at all. And so we're saying, we don't need to have our ego stroke because we think we're doing something fantastic here. We need to make certain if we can, that we're informing people so they can hopefully make the best decision possible. And that, and that you know, that's, there are not a lot of organizations think about it like that, you know, are, is what you're doing actually hitting the mark? Exactly. Is it reaching? Is it, is it doing what you set out to do and not just, validate and back up certain points and opinions and research and yeah so so how is podcast shaking out 
in the reports? <laughs> well, as far as everything we do, I guess it's a week third. <laughs> but it's also new. It's it's the it's the newest form of of information that you're it's pushing growing. into the world. It, it yeah. Was, uh, I think, in all fairness, uh, it's more than doubled. It's uh, it's more than doubled the last year, if I remember. In fact, uh, you know, I want to say it's about 140 percent above where it was a year ago, as far as people, uh, you know, signed up for the podcast, engaged in the podcast. Um, I try not to Great. look at. <laughs> I assure you others do and I would could I could very easily be replaced so <laughs> I don't want I don't want to get myself counting on that as far as a as far as a future uh, that of, of uh, my career <laughs> well this is the world of podcasting you know you're you're bringing all the information to the listeners and it's a slow grow I mean this is just how this this world works so you're doing all the right things and you're, you're consistent you're putting lots of thought good information out so it'll continue to grow well I, we just want it to be relevant if it grows because it's relevant that's our job that's that's the objective yeah well earl this has been a fantastic conversation thank you so much for joining me on hosted and Everyone should be tuning in to Common Sense Digest. You can find it on all the streaming platforms, Apple, Spotify, and, and really any, any other platform that you tune into your podcast. And thank you so much for, for joining Hosted today and listening to our conversation with Earl Wright, host of Common Sense Digest. And we will catch you next time. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in to Hosted, a podcast brought to you by Kitcaster, a podcast booking agency. If you want to find out more about Kitcaster, about Hosted, find us on all of the relevant social channels and tune in to more episodes of Hosted. Take care.